Trigger warning, this episode contains talk about eating disorder, eating disorder recovery, and disordered eating, which is not recognized by the DSM as an eating disorder. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Uniquely Wired, an ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Shun Prochaska. I'm a coach that specializes in working with women with ADHD. In this episode, I speak to Sinead from Intuitive Eating Ireland, and she explains the principles behind intuitive eating. She also talks about the difficulties that people can face on that journey and is very honest about her own experience. I kind of wanted to talk to her because I know that a lot of people with ADHD, men and women, find that they have trouble with overeating and binge eating and things like that. And this kind of disordered eating, not eating disorder, but disordered eating, um, is often down to neurotransmitters that are deficient in our brain or that are not as present in our brain as they are in people without ADHD. So things like uh, something like dopamine um, can lead to behavior that supports disordered eating. Things like uh, not noticing your internal cues of hunger, um, not being able to stick to, you know, meal plans um, or shopping lists even, um, and even like not being able to judge portion si- sizes. So often putting too much in the plate and then not noticing when you're feeling really full. Um, and also, I guess, things like obsessive behaviors like obsessive thinking about food and about weight um, and worry and anxiety and things like that um, and also more likely to to want to eat to overeat on things that are considered to be treats or rewards um, and then you know you get into the cycle of you know uh, I can't do this why can't I eat like a normal person I feel ashamed and all that. And then that just perpetuates the whole thing and it goes over and over and over. So just then I mentioned foods that are often, you know, referred to as being treats or rewards. And I didn't say junk food. I didn't say unhealthy food because from from my understanding of intuitive eating, it's, you know, there's a lot of judgment in food. So there's like food that's good for you and food that's bad for you. That's often how food is spoken about. And we judge ourselves for eating things that are not considered to be, you know, low calorie or full of fiber and full of all the nutrients and everything that we need. And when we find ourselves eating the, the other type of food, we judge ourselves. We're really hard on ourselves. We perpetuate the cycle with the shame and all of that, like I mentioned before. But approaching food without any judgment and just seeing it, calling it all food because it is all food takes away that strong judgment and it also helps to change the dialogue in our own mind it helps to bring in more compassion and by dropping the judgment a lot uh, as much as you can obviously it takes practice it does take practice but it's possible so I suppose really like intuitive eating is just like Sinead says it's just eating <laughs> there's no there are no rules around it it's completely just going with what your body wants in the moment what you feel like it needs it's like about getting in touch with your body again because we're so saturated with 
messages from the media and from, you know, social media, people around us talking about dieting and losing weight. Like it's just, it's, it just takes up so much headspace and people spend their lives thinking about this. Like, when, you know, if you don't, if you find yourself in that diet cycling of like going on a diet and then gaining all the weight back quickly and then going on the diet again and, blah, 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 and it keeps going on and on, you know, it, that kind of stuff can last a lifetime. And the diet industry, they know what they're doing when, when they're selling their products and, you know, putting ads up and all of that. They're selling, you know, uh, this kind of false hope of happiness. And, and we know that, you know, research shows that diets don't work for the most part. There's a tiny, tiny percentage of people who manage to keep the weight off, you know, three years later. The rest of the time, 95, 97% of the time, it doesn't work. Intuitive eating helps you to come back to your own body and helps you to foster some compassion for yourself. At the beginning of 2020, I did a, a masterclass with a health coach in the States, and it was all about how to stop dieting and learn about intuitive eating and just see what's going on in society with the diet industry and with everything that goes with an obsession with weight and all that kind of stuff. And it was like being deprogrammed. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. It just opened my eyes to so many things. And it's not like it, it doesn't, doesn't disappear overnight. You don't stop having thoughts about, oh, if I you know eat that, then I'll go for a walk later and work that off. It takes conscious effort to think about, I'm going to exercise because I want to move and I want to feel good and I want to give my heart and my lungs some exercise and not think about the other, not think about how many calories it'll burn and all of that. It takes practice, just the same with learning how not to judge food. It takes practice, but it is it is very interesting. And once you start thinking about things like that, you, you see how much people around you talk about dieting and and how many thoughts you have about it yourself you know if you if you really stop and take notice like even like oh I shouldn't eat that you know just something small like that it doesn't have to be you know looking in the mirror and think oh my gosh I really don't like what I see it can be something as small as uh oh I shouldn't eat that or like oh that looks good no I'm not going to do that I'm going to stop myself from doing that you know those kind of thoughts you know being curious about that and just noticing how many times a day you have a thought like that it can be an interesting exercise to start if you're thinking about going on the intuitive eating journey my own experience of having done this masterclass and starting to explore this world of intuitive eating and everything that comes with it the things that i found most helpful definitely is releasing that judgment around food and also movement just for the sheer pleasure of movement I ditched my weighing scales <laughs> a year and a half ago more than a year and a half ago now <clears throat> almost two years ago that was fantastic that felt amazing I didn't realize that I was using it you know several times a week sometimes it's just it's just a number it is just a number it doesn't mean anything you know and and I gave it so much meaning and since throwing it away, I feel so much, I feel more free. I feel more free. I'm definitely not like there yet when it comes to, 
not judging myself i still of course i have thoughts about oh gosh i need to you know shape up or i need to lose this or i need to you know exercise that away and talk about these kind of things with friends but it's just you know it is all a learning process and the thing is is be easy on yourself be easy on yourself this is a whole new thing it is like being deprogrammed from being brainwashed into thinking that we all have to look a certain way and it's so bizarre when you think about it when you really stop and think about it but that's the reality of what's going on so i hope you enjoyed this episode and i would love to hear from people who are thinking about going on the intuitive eating journey i know that there are some nutritionists out there who specialize in working with people with adhd um and you know going on that journey with them of intuitive eating um if you're a nutritionist and you're listening to this or if you're somebody who's worked with a nutritionist or you've done the intuitive eating journey yourself if you have adhd if you'd like to come on i'd love to hear from you so please get in touch okay now let's get on with the show I suppose the the sort of the first thing that people tuning in, because I, I mean, I, I was saying that, you know, a lot of people with ADHD have disordered eating. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, and that's, you know, that's to do with like not recognizing hunger cues, which I think you don't have to have ADHD to not recognize hunger cues because so many uh-huh. of us anywhere are not tuned into our bodies. But like, I suppose with ADHD, the thing is like for myself, I could sit down in the morning and start, you know, I'd be coaching or whatever, and then write a post and then write emails. And then I'm like, oh my God, it's four o'clock and I haven't eaten since breakfast time or whatever. And I won't notice at all. I won't feel hunger. I won't even feel, I might, you know, use the bathroom or whatever, but, and drink water and stuff, but I, I won't notice any kind of hunger. And then suddenly it's like this deep, deep well of, of uh hunger inside me this like it feels like primal nearly you know and it just it just happens all of a sudden like that so uh I suppose a lot of people listening will be able to to relate to that you know people with ADHD and stuff um and also you know there's like you know with the disordered eating I mean some of it's to do with with medication you know ritalin and things like that the kind of yes stimulants will suppress your appetite as you know i mean you're you're medically trained and stuff but uh yes um and then you'll you'll take it and then you'll be like in the evening it'll wear off and then that's often when people tend to uh how should i phrase this i don't i'm not mad about the term binge eating because i think i think it's kind of loaded it's kind of like um I think so anyway. That's what like Isabel Fox and Duke was saying anyway in her masterclass that the binge to her it was kind of a negative V word. But um Yeah, absolutely it can be. And it might not always represent what's happening. Often it's like just eating past comfortable fullness a lot of the time. It doesn't necessarily mean binging. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. Some of these terms aren't um always actually helpful. I, I'm a big believer in sometimes like the labels that we use and the impact that our words that we use to describe our experiences, how that actually um manifest then for us and how it either sometimes hinders us and other times it can serve us so for some people being able to identify what's going on and say oh my god is that what a binge is that can be a real relief for somebody because they don't know what it what it is and if they are binging that can be a real relief to understand this is what's happening but absolutely we do need to be cognizant of the the language that we use to describe our experiences for sure 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. There was something, um, something that interested me was like, um, I suppose, you know, if people find themselves getting into that cycle of, of the, you know, what, for whatever reason, medicine wearing off, you know, when it comes to ADHD or not, and, uh, or had forgotten to eat all day, and then they're compensating by eating loads in the evening, and then they notice that they're gaining weight, and then they feel like they want to lose it, so they diet, and then, you know, it's like the, the diet cycle, you know, they're, they're like, yeah, losing weight and then they're hungry because they're not eating enough and then it starts off again and again and again and then and then this sort of like I suppose shame you know really can can hinder any kind of progress that their their best intentions are to be healthy but they're sort of finding that they can't get out of this cycle you know they're they're uh, eating loads in one go and then feeling bad because it's the evening and and uh, and of course in the evening you know you sort of uh you don't move around a lot so yeah like yeah it, it it's a it's a vicious kind of um it's a vicious cycle isn't it I suppose like the- yeah I think like I think you know you're spot on there are so many reasons we're disconnected to our bodies and, and dieting is absolutely one of them and if if you've been a chronic dieter like from, like myself or I was like chronic dieting for 20 years so that was an extended period that my body was becoming increasingly disconnected year on year with the dieting but of course as you mentioned there can be other factors at play like you know medication certainly and any underlying health issues whether we're talking about ADHD or any number of other issues that may be going on there are other factors that absolutely interfere with our ability to um to connect into them awareness cues and uh, yeah so it's about then you know I suppose trying to figure out well we need to separate out which part uh, is maybe um, at play really and you know you mentioned there like the, that cycle of like if you've not been eating all day because you've been distracted with work etc maybe not, just not connected for whatever reason and then there's the maybe eating quite a bit in the evening whether you've reached that literally um that kind of point where the body's gone into real kind of uh, starvation mode and it's like give me all the food right now so you've reached that kind of peak hunger and it's like it's it's survival so it's like get the food into me um and then comes the 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 shame around maybe how much you've eaten or etc and then the guilt and if that's tied up into or maybe having an issue with um you know body image so like feeling that your body needs to be smaller for whatever reason and then comes the idea that i need to lose weight and restrict so it, it all is as you mentioned very much a vicious cycle because then it's likely the same thing will happen the next day where you might be disconnected from your body for a number of hours throughout the day i mean i remember that um cycle myself where like it's funny now years later like i i feel hunger in the morning when i get up now but i have hadn't hunger in the morning for many many years because I was so disconnected because I usually was uh binging because I, I I most certainly was binging at that point but you know it was binging in the evening time and then the next day it was like this compensatory behavior of just completely unplugging from my body and being like it's like literally whatever I needed to do whether I was working whether I was doing whatever um to just push out before I would even face the thought of eating again you know and that's what I think a lot of people it's that cycle we get caught into yes yeah no yeah absolutely and it's incredible like how much emotion there is with food you know the association like the like the the emotional comfort it can bring and also 
the shame it can bring on the flip side, you know, the of like, you know, like sort of demonizing certain foods and stuff, because uh, I don't, you know, I mean, like I, I, I suppose it's about 18 months since I started really thinking about these kind of things and getting out of dieting and all of that. And uh, it's felt, I mean, it feels like deprogramming. It's like you're de, yes. it's like you're, you know, undoing harmful brainwashing that you didn't know you were, you know, being sucked into all your life. That's kind of what it feels like. And then you're sort of coming out the other side, like, what the hell was that? And what the hell is going on in the world? Because it's just like, you know, the message yeah. is, is everywhere. If you're not, yeah. kid, then you're a mess or you don't have, you know, you won't have the opportunities the other people have, you know, it's not like thin privilege and fat phobia and all of that, you know, it's, it's everywhere. So it's, yeah. it's such a, like, it's such a loaded thing, isn't it? To kind of, um, what am I trying to say here? I suppose like, yeah, I know what the shame tied up with, with certain foods and stuff, I guess is what I'm trying to, to yeah, it's funny with. because like food, the, the, often the, the temporary feelings we get with food is kind of like, elation nearly or real joy in the, when we're sitting down to eat whatever food it is we want in that moment but like when the judgment comes in around what we're eating and how much we're eating then boom we've got shame that lingers for hours and days and guilt that lingers whereas like the you know the the more pleasant feelings because I, I I don't call them negative feelings because we need all of these emotions in our life we need to know what shame feels like we need to know what guilt feels like and all the rest of it so they're not bad but when they're unjustified and inappropriate to the context of when they arise that's mm -hmm. when we need to look at that so um you know shame and guilt is not justified when it comes to food and food choices I mean I, I always say it like if unless you've stolen the food from somebody that maybe was hungry and planning on eating it then you know maybe you might feel a bit guilty about that but otherwise this there's, there's no reason that we do but that that still is all tied into if I, if I when I say to people I say like but would you feel guilty or ashamed if what you were eating had no impact on your weight whatsoever and the answer for most people is no because really what if you peel back the layers it's not really about the food it's around body body image and as you mentioned we're living in this world that's um you know it's incredibly um fat phobic and we idolize thinness you know the, the truth is is that like in society thin, thin people are treated a lot better than those that are living in marginalized bodies you know that is the reality mm -hmm. so it's understandable that people um until our society changes and we view everybody as equal and uh you know humans you know we're looking down the lens of it's not surprising we all fear fatness that's the reality mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and and would you say like in your own kind of research, have you come across like when this, has this always been the way, like, or is it getting worse? You know, I'm just trying to get an idea. Oh. Is it, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean like, wide? <laughs> yeah, well, like the thing is, is that like, I, well now when it is a while ago, so I really hope I don't, um, I, I don't uh, miss represented in any way because it was an excellent book it was a book fearing the black body is by, by sabrina strings and that book really gave me an insight i read that about two years ago and you know i suppose it's fat phobia is rooted in racism you know um yeah. so when we look back to the times where um 
you know, it was a time in this book. This is, I suppose, I, I hope I summarized this fairly, you know, but it was, I suppose, around the times of slavery, etc. And um, when that kind of got shunned a little bit, um, how they still wanted to differentiate between blacks and, and whites was they wanted they kind of, um, you know, they, they, they created particularly black women uh, who were living in bigger bodies as kind of lazy and unattractive and un unintelligent and, um, you know, just uh, there were so many words that this book used to describe that made that just resonated that I just thought, wow, like that's how it's rippled through our society from them times. And thinness was seen as disciplined and motivated and you know, that's how it's been created, this huge divide. So it's really, it's so loaded and so problematic. And like, honestly, like I, I'm here really just recalling what I remember from reading that book. I would urge anybody that really wants to get an insight into it to obviously read the book. Yeah, I just took down the name. that. The, the yeah. Fearing, fearing the Black Bodies. Fearing the Black Body. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's a difficult read, to be honest. Like she's a... She's a professor, Sabrina Strings of like, I mean, I, I needed a diction. I didn't need a dictionary nearly to, to kind of also read the book. I mean, she's sure. just like she was amazing. But I, I like it's it's a it's a deep read for sure. Um, but to understand why we've become so fat phobic, um, it's 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 dating back to them times for sure. And that's just oh, it's, it's just so chilling, really. I would never have guessed that. I would have said yeah. it was far more, you know, recent recent no yeah yeah i have um i've read you know fat is a feminist issue yeah you read that as well i can't remember yeah susan, susan i can't remember her name or or book no uh, yeah, yeah. No. susie Orbach. that's it yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's a yeah. that was a read that was a real eye-opener actually reading that as well but, um, yeah there, there's so there's so many good books to kind of give us an insight into why things are the way they are today and it's it, it's a complex conversation you know it's not just any one thing I mean you throw in the dieting industry on top of that and you throw in social media on top of that and you throw in celebrities on top of that and you throw in any amount of things on top of that it's all been perpetuated year on year you know it's true and you walk into the supermarket and you know, there's diet this and diet that everywhere. And it's sort of all, you know, if you're anywhere, any way kind of aware or feeling shame and stuff about yourself, it's it's pulling at you everywhere you go, you know, ads like you were saying, you know, celebrities, and all, you know, billboards, it's just everywhere. They're just being everywhere, constantly bombarded with sort of reminders of. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, like, even, totally, like even take like recently, like Adele, like we've we've waited so long for Adele to release her wonderful music. And I'm not joking. I think like 70 percent of the coverage is about what she looks like and the fact that she has somehow transformed. And, you know, I, again, you know, this is and this is not about Adele. Adele, my point is, is that. We also are praising it, congratulating it, complimenting it as if we know that it's a good thing. And, and, and how do we know that? Because we don't know also, number one, we could be congratulating some kind of illness. We could be congratulating some kind of um, disordered eating behaviours or now I don't know. I'm not suggesting that that's the case. But the point is, is that we don't know what we're what we're doing when we kind of praise that weight loss. It's so incredibly problematic. And then you look at 
like the fact that all of all of the young people and Adele for herself imagine what it might be like to live in that world where like everybody is just telling you all around you you're so amazing now that you're thin so don't ever get fat you know don't ever gain don't ever gain weight and then that like all of all of her followers her fans all they see is that coverage about how amazing and so much better and attractive and more worthy and deserving that she is now that she's thin Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's terrifying when you when you put it like that like it's terrifying it's terrifying yeah. for her to have that kind of pressure absolutely if that's what's going yeah. on for her like you know but it's also terrifying for you know younger younger people who are very influenced by that as well you know like yeah teenage yeah absolutely and, and all of that yeah you know if she wasn't it is scary I was a fella there wouldn't be that kind of you know like I know recently Jonah Hill who is a celebrity who has yes lost a lot of weight and he was quoted as saying please don't congratulate me on this or please don't comment on my body yeah a compliment is not a nice thing or it's not a positive thing or something like that he, he said something like yeah that. but I mean it's that was yeah. really quite you wouldn't hear anything I know he's not as famous as Adele but it's always women's bodies that are like under the microscope you know in Absolutely. in um in the media yeah, no, we're a hundred percent. Women are like predominantly the target, and that's not to say that men don't um, aren't experiencing it. I, I, there are, there is actually is like there is an increase in um, you know eating disorder cases and disordered eating cases amongst men. It's definitely on the uh, on the rise, and, and body image issues. And there, there, you know, men are struggling too. Um, no doubt about that. But in terms of the overall, it would be predominantly female. It's it's predominantly women that are targeted. Yeah, sure. So what, can you can you just give like for, for people who might not know what intuitive eating is, could you give us uh, a brief, yeah. uh, sorry, like a brief as you can kind of outline? I know, I know. many parts. To it, but. I, no, I know. Totally. Yeah, it's like it is. It is. So there's so much to it. Hence, it's a full book on intuitive eating. And people will always ask me, what's this book? It's written by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. And they are two dietitians that like started really this movement of intuitive eating. And, and again, like I also sorry, I, I'm, I, I'm one of these that just cut over and back myself. I cut myself off sometimes in my mid thought. But like intuitive eating would be just eating, like just run of the mill, ordinary eating if it wasn't for diet culture, like literally it's just eating. But they like basically would have had experience of being dietitians in the 90s. And they had like clients coming in for like, you know, giving them plans for weight loss. And long story short, they saw the same clients like lose weight and like then the following year come back in, would have like regained the weight that they had lost and, and gained more weight. So they saw this cycle for a number of years and just basically started looking into the research behind weight loss and dieting, etc., and realized there is no research and there still is no research to say that maintaining and trying to sustain this calorie deficit aka dieting and restricting yourself there is no research to say that it works long term and when the research is quite concrete that you know less than 10 percent and a lot of the research would even be saying less than five percent of people who diet actually maintain that weight loss uh for a period of uh, like beyond two to five years so yeah people can obviously lose weight short term within a couple of months or a year or whatever but when we look at like when we zoom out and say but after five years most people don't they have more gained gained back really within that five years so they put together this framework to 
ultimately ditch dieting. So the first principle is, is, is ditching diet culture um, or ditching the diet mentality, I should say. So there's 10 principles in total in the framework. And really, it's not about starting at number one and fish, finishing up at number 10. You kind of have to, you know, it's about just weaving in and out of them and, and figuring, it, figuring it all out as you go, because you can't, it's, it's not like dieting. There's no rules. There's no structure. You don't like start on a Monday and kind of reevaluate after four weeks or anything like that. It's basically a process of like learning, okay, how can I get out of the mindset of like some foods are bad, some foods are good? How can I begin to listen to my hunger? How can I get, begin to know and acknowledge what are my own individual hunger cues like for some people you know it could be just thoughts of food for some people they might get a little bit of a headache some people might get low energy um a rumbling in your belly They're like we're all so individual um like i would never get a headache from being hunger but i would actually have a cramp from hungry being hungry but i would get like a cramp in my stomach like big time so i'd feel it really very much viscerally in my belly but for some people they'd just be all up in their head like headachey and migrainey or like dizzy or whatever so it's just it's all about why what your own individual cues are and getting to know what they are um, and how can you honor that by eating something that you really want to eat not because Weight Watchers tells you that there's only so many points in soup you know mm-hmm. it's like what do you really want to eat what would be really satisfying for you um, you know then how can you honor and respect your fullness like how can you learn to eat to the point that you're like satisfied and full so like we know that it's not really satisfying to eat way past comfortable fullness I mean it's not an exact point like I mean it's not you know a certain mouthful that's going to push you into the space where you're like you've eaten way past comfortable fullness I think we all know what it's like to sit down and eat a lot of food and actually kind of have that like sluggish pain in your belly just feel like you need to nearly Mm -hmm. lie down so like how can you respect that that you can find the place that's actually that that comes before that where you can get up and be like wow i'm really satisfied and like you know there's other principles like you know um finding movement that you enjoy um you know engaging in physical movement is amazing for mind body soul etc but like it doesn't have to be the gym because you know your personal trainer is telling you you have to go and do x amount of burn x amount of calories in the in the week you know you can find movement it could be anything from swimming to hiking to rowing to yoga to whatever um and i think that there is movement out there for every one of us like if you if you've maybe somebody that's punished your body through grueling gym going for years because that's all you kind of it was all tied into weight loss you might not know that there are other ways you can move your body that will feel really great and rewarding for you it's just about exploring that a little bit and just yeah just like getting to know what closer in your area or different groups or classes that you could you could join you could find something that you love um, and you're much more likely to want to go to something every week if you love it not because you're like I have to burn x amount of calories to go there um, and then of course nutrition like you know sometimes one of the I suppose the the biggest one of the biggest I think intuitive eating myths is that you know that it like the framework doesn't care about your health or about nutrition that's simply not the case there's a full principle it's principle number 10 um it's called gentle nutrition and the reason why it's the last principle in the framework is because you know how can you come at um understanding nutrition and what 
nutrient dense foods can actually do for your body? How can you utilize that information from a neutral standpoint if you're still labeling foods as good and bad and you're still trying to restrict yourself? So it's about finding, you know, a good having a good relationship, healing your relationship with food and, you know, knowing when you're hungry and when you're full and what satisfies you. And then all of a sudden, when you've learned all of that, you can go on to learn about nutrition and, you know, you can, you know, it's like it's so different than coming at that with diet mentality. So we've got to really like unpack all of the diet mentality before we work at the nutrition piece does that make sense yeah yeah it definitely does and it it just it does sound like it's funny because like you said it, it sounds like a lot of work but like you said it's just eating you're just you're going back to basics it's just what eating was like what eating would be like if there was no diet culture and it's exactly so like, because it feels like a huge threshold you know to cross and it feels it can feel kind of scary you know thinking like oh my god what's going to happen what, 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 what you know because we're we're so filled with all these ideas and fears and you know about gaining weight and stuff so how yeah long, like, how, how long would you say it kind of on um, well I mean I know everybody's different and I totally you know respect that and but I I guess I wonder if there is like a sort of time frame for when people usually start to feel you know comfortable with intuitive eating yeah get the hang of it more. yeah you know yeah you're spot on I'd probably be hesitant to be given any time frame because I always think then it gives people maybe the idea that it well I, I should have it done by then you know or I should That's I right. should have healed my relationship with food by a certain point but all I can say to to make it very clear it's not like your six or eight week diet that you're going to follow like this is where I can share my experience like I was like so I'm nearly I'm nearly three years into I suppose intuitive eating and it's only really I was definitely a good 18 months into it before I had really unpacked my fear of weight gain. So I really struggled with the fear of gaining weight really intensely for the first six months. Um, and you see all of that impacts your food and your food choices and your eating, et cetera. It all ties into that. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you can just switch off the switch and no longer give a shit that you might gain weight. Like it's not that simple. You don't just wake up one morning and like even intellectually you can understand something but physiologically it can feel very different to embody that knowing so like intellectually I knew that gaining weight was not a bad thing intellectually I knew that being in a bigger body didn't make me any less deserving or worthy or attractive or any of these things but I still had a physiological fear. I was still having that reaction mm. and that really impacted me for a number of months. And I, you know, cried a lot. And I mean, I, you know, that sounds really dramatic. I cried a lot, but I mean, I did have plenty of tears, which is also very good and powerful, but I had my sister um, who was kind of going through it at the same time as me. So the two of us kind of were trying to navigate it together. And without that support, I, I honestly don't know if I probably would have continued to push through this probably a likelihood I might have gone back to dieting and right. honestly that's why that's why we set up our our intuitive eating online instagram account because well we didn't know of any other account in ireland that was talking about intuitive eating and we just wanted to create this little bit of a community so that if other people were doing it that they would also have some kind of support because honestly doing it on your own is really tough it is really tough because there's also like a lot of things around you don't want people to talk to you about their diet <laughs> you don't want to hear you know uh about 
dieting and about fat phobia and about people losing weight and all of that and it, you become so you become really i uh, what i found anyway you know when i when allergic I was, yeah. yeah allergic and and very like even more aware of of what people yeah. are saying, like people in your life that you care about and love and suddenly what they're saying it feels a bit like oh my god you know I, I don't want to talk about this stuff but people talk about it all the time people talk about losing weight and diets oh my god you know and yeah, and once you get out of the diet culture and see it, you know, you're like, wow, this is everywhere. This is really everywhere in most people's conversations. You know, it's normal. Oh, it's everywhere. Like, honestly, we. I, I, this is why I like I also have to remind myself, like, I don't think we're going to escape this anytime soon. Like this is not going to go away. And I think that there needs, near, near, nearly needs to be on some level, some level of acceptance that like for me, I felt very. And what I mean about the acceptance piece is that like, how do you manage in terms of your friends, your family, et cetera? Cause you can't, you can't run everybody in your life that talks about dieting and weight loss. Cause there'd be nobody left, you know, yeah, they're exactly. all talking about it, right? So there'd be nobody left. So yes, absolutely. How do you put up boundaries and, and maybe let your family or your close friends know, look at guys like, and, and I, I no longer want to talk about this cause I'm actually going to work on like healing my relationship with food. It's not in a good place right now. And, and, and hopefully they would respect them boundaries. But I think that, you know, it's really difficult. I felt myself very, I was quite, judgmental in the early stages of people that were talking about dieting for so long because I was also working through my own stuff so I think even that judgment is still telling you something about what's going on for you if you still find yourself quite charged in that scenario I think there's still some more work for you to do there and I I had to learn that the hard way because I was like why why can't they just shut up (laughs) talking about weight last time you know and then you you also there is the possibility that you might lose some friends because to be honest so many friendships are built on the bonding of diet culture like they're you know they're the the conversation it's the only thing you talk about is health and weight loss and dieting and oh my god I just found that conversation so unbelievably dull I just couldn't engage in it so I I I would kind of like shut down a little bit and I just kind of would either go off on another topic but you know the truth is a lot of people do find they kind of don't have as much in common with some of their you know friends or whatever that they thought that they had and that's really sad because you you end up then alongside everything else, like, you know, the grief that can come with ditching dieting, you also may be grieving, losing some friendships along the way as well. And that's shit. <laughs> it's a really transformative uh, experience, a really transformative yeah. process. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I know what you mean about the the grief of giving up dieting. And it sounds maybe to some people that sounds kind of strange, but there is like a real grief in letting go of, and it sounds it sounds so weird to say it, letting go of the body I could have had or the person, you know, but it's real. That's a really real grief and scary to like let that go. That, oh, know, that yeah. That's really scary. Like what's on the other Absol- side? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like grief is not just about when we lose a physical body or a loved one in our lives. This is like 
you know, we grieve the loss of anything, the loss of a relationship, the loss of, and like that, it can be the loss of um, that thinner body that we were planning on being in one day. Or you could also grieve the past body where maybe you are thinner at some point a couple of years ago and you're grieving that body. And you, you know, so the grief is very big part of intuitive eating and it is particularly in the early stages, the first couple of months, it's likely there would be quite a lot, like I went through it all. Like, I mean, my anger stage, I was rip roared, mad, angry that I had spent 20 years, 20 oh, yeah. years. And it was justified, like it was justified anger, you know, um, and then the sadness, of course, and like, like this, so many of the stages of grief. So, yeah, it's absolutely all relevant. And I think it's necessary to go through it. I I sometimes, you know, we'll get messages from people and they'll be like high as kites. They're like, oh, my God, this is the best ever. I can eat whatever I want. I can't believe it. I'm like so at peace. And they're just elated, like high on life. And then I. I'm, I'm being interrupted here, which always interrupts my train of thought. and I'm going to throttle them. Um, no, but I was saying there that like they'll be high on life, so excited and. Um, they'll be keeping in touch via messages and I, I often do have at the back of my head and, and I obviously hope it doesn't happen but I've seen it happen every time really to be honest is that they'll then maybe message a, like a couple of months into it and be like oh I'm feeling like a lot of emotion a lot of intense stuff what's going on and then like ah oh, here comes like that is often the kind of grief that we're talking about you know yes yeah 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 it's Gosh, it's big. And do you do you um do you see clients? You know, do you mm. as a as a nutritionist or as um you're a nutritionist, right? Is that well? I I I don't even I, I did train in nutritional therapy years ago, but I don't um I haven't seen any clients for 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 nutrition for many years. I work full time as a clinical nurse specialist in perinatal mental health. Okay. Oh, lovely. Perinatal. Yeah. Okay. Yes nice so um, so so, it's, so it's, doing, it's, you're doing this like because I see your posts and your stories and I mean you're like wow I mean your passion really comes across and and it's and but it's activism really you know and you're and you're yeah. really like and it, it's wonderful to watch it's really wonderful to watch but I I mean I so you do that all in your spare time yeah, so I'm an early bird, so I go to bed really early, but I get up quite early. So I do a bit in the morning. So I probably do an hour in the morning and then I do it when the kids come, when I, the kids are home here and we get settled for the evening and I do a couple of hours again. So yeah, it's full on. Like, I mean, I don't know how much I'd be able to do as the page grows because like already I'm, I'm not getting back to hardly any of the messages that come through. I try my best to get back to as many as I can, but it is difficult and yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it's like I mean, I, I, I love what I do in my job. So I suppose I'm not planning on changing that anytime soon. Like the career that I'm in, I, I really love it. But this is like my side. This is my also my passion. And, and like you said, there is definitely that sense where I feel like I really want to use my voice, um, like be an ally and also call out, I suppose, what is blatant diet culture in our society, because I like I have a daughter and obviously I have three boys, but I have a daughter. And when she was born, she's going to be five actually on, on, on Sunday. And like when she was born, something else kind of shifted within me. And I was like, I, I just can't bear rearing a girl in this society. Uh, now, I don't obviously think I'm going to single handedly 
stop diet culture in Ireland. Like, hello. But um, I don't know. I don't know. You're, you're, you're a woman on a mission. I wouldn't doubt you. No, but like, I mean, look at if there are things that we can do along the way to make some real changes, then then I'm that I'm there for that. And I, I have energy for that. But like, you know, it's about you do have to kind of balance your own energy. And sometimes I have to rein myself in and be like, OK, what am I able for? Because you kind of it, there's a lot of adrenaline. There's a lot of it's it can be high intensity. And, and I wouldn't necessarily say stress. I don't feel particularly stressed but you see our body really can't differentiate between that kind of stress and it's like when it's high energy a lot of the time and you're kind of thinking and planning and you're like you know mm -hmm. you know just yeah it, it, it can wear you down I'm just conscious I suppose that I certainly don't want to burn out so like yeah it's just uh, but I'm enjoying it for now for sure yeah and and are you the so you and your sister are the only ones in Ireland as far as you know who oh god are. no so right will we will we set up our uh, we set up our page um the start of the pandemic so it was like 18 months ago and um well, nearly two years ago now um and at the time we thought that there was nobody else really talking about intuitive eating in ireland but of course the minute we started um we started like posting on whatever on uh, on instagram we realized there are quite a few now there aren't that many therapists in ireland they're only at the moment i think there's only six maybe seven qualified intuitive eating counselors in ireland there's not many okay well yeah okay mm. and and uh, and would you say it's something that people can just very often just go ahead and do you know without a lot of support yes. or would you recommend you know at what kind of stage do you think it's, is it good a good idea to get support if you're really struggling with it I think there's so much you could do yourself so the book and there's also a workbook so the workbook ties into each of the chapters and kind of gets you to really dig into your own stuff like your own background like what were the messages that you got growing up and like that's going to be individual to every one of us like was there comments made about your body growing up were you told that you had to finish all your food clean your plate were you told that you know treats were only for when you were good at the weekend you know there's, there's all sorts of messages that we got and a lot of us will relate to the same messages, but ultimately it's about working through your own stuff. And that workbook really gets you to kind of dig into that. So you'd go a long way with the, the what I suggest is the book, the workbook, there's lots of podcasts on intuitive eating. So I would I would definitely use the podcast resource. Um, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch have been interviewed on lots of amazing podcasts. So I would put their name into the search bar in the podcast and find all the podcasts that they have ever appeared on. I've listened to them all, I would say. Um, so yeah, between that, I think you would go a long way. But again, it just all depends on how long you've been dieting, how disconnected you are from your body. If there's other stuff that might make it more difficult, like if you're going through a particularly stressful period yourself in your life, if there's big things going on in your life, um, that can make it more challenging. You know, I suppose for some people, a lot of people actually um, can often have like an undiagnosed eating disorder. So they may have not realized that they actually meet the criteria for an ED. Um, again, I'm, I'm not like, again, it's not about labeling or et cetera. But I think that if there is, but if there is more serious um, issues at play, it's important then that you would find somebody specialized in eating disorders with the intuitive eating um, counseling background. It, that would probably be the best person to find, but they're also very thin in the ground. But um, yeah, so there's various, there's various things that might make it more challenging, but I think you could do a lot 
on just the the book the workbook and podcast okay okay well and just lastly because I know you're you're um you're busy uh I wanted to ask you're fine no problem ask away how how uh is it like how I was gonna say how do you talk about food to your children but I guess you don't and that's the thing right you know, or, or you know, like without without raising, you know, without making them too aware, or you know, like it's such a it's such a kind of delicate thing. And I find myself sometimes with my own with my son, you know, um, he'll he'll have heard kids at school talking about, oh, that's got calories, loads of calories, and sure he has no idea what calories like, but he'll he'll already associate that thing as being bad because the kids at school were talking about it. But you know, I mean, and you can't like wrap your kids up in cotton wool or your teenagers or anything like that because it's everywhere it's saturated we're saturated in diet culture mm. but so like at home and stuff do you I don't know like how do you do you, do you ever talk about food and intuitive eating or or anything or is it just like yeah just normal and this is that and let's get on with our yeah. lives kind of thing yeah oh no my god I've had to unlearn lots of shit but like so my eldest is 17 as I was saying and like he I would have had like been knee deep in dieting when I had him and very much even the second guy who's now nine um I actually had him on a diet because he had kind of different digestive stuff going on when he was quite small and when he was about three I went to um this professional who kind of told me to cut out gluten and sugar and um you know dairy and he was on really like quite a rigid diet I would say and by the time he was kind of five so when he started to kind of he was a year or two on it but as he started to kind of get some level of a little bit of independence and been able to kind of scoot around in the presses like he was he was literally secret eating he was he was hoarding food up in his bedroom under his pillows and you know I'd find wrappers stuffed places that you know I was like you know why what's going on and he honestly was like like he's like my biggest teacher really for what happens when we when we do restrict and that is that absolutely applies to our children like aren't we I feel like we're so deluded sometimes around uh, as in we're we're conditioned to be deluded that like like this diet culture will tr try and convince us like as parents that we have control and we have responsibility to make sure that our children are eating x y and z and all the vegetables and blah like it's all bullshit we've no control over what your children eat unless we are physically force feeding them the food because like you know, you can't like, yes, when they're very small and we obviously know if you're when there's small little like toddlers or whatever, obviously they're going to take what you're giving them. Right. But like when they get a little bit older, like you're talking five, six, seven, and they start to get a bit of independence and a bit of autonomy. They won't be long telling you, I don't want to eat that. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. Or they'll be able to go into the fridge. I mean, you're, unless you're going to put a lock on your fridge door, they're, they're, you're, you're not going to be able to stop them going to access food. So when they begin, when they have that autonomy, like unless you have reared them to trust their body and, 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 and reared them that like there's no such thing as a good or bad food and all the rest of it, then we're going to be running into problems regardless. So for me, I'm like, I know it's scary, but like I have no, I have no food rules here. So like what I try to do is I've had to go to the older two. So I suppose I'll try and break it down for some parents that might have kids that they have got food rules with right now. And, and just to say, don't beat yourself up about that. I done that. 
kids are very resilient. They learn and unlearn very quickly. So mm. like, you know, there's no reason that that can't be worked on and healed. So like, I don't, I like, I don't beat myself up at all about what I done. I was doing what I thought was right at the time and you can't do better until you know better. So I, you know, I had to go back to the, especially the older lad, the older two. And I had to say to them, do you know what? Guys, I got this wrong. I, I, I thought that maybe I was, you know, trying to help you guys out, but I realized I've probably just not helped your relationship with food. And, and maybe we've kind of, this has kind of caused you some issues around food, you know, and I like, I, I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but I kind of said about, you know, that you feel you have to kind of sneak food and, and all the rest of it, because I don't want you to feel like that. And, you know, we had a conversation about that. And I said to him at the time, I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm no longer going to do that. If you want to eat whatever it is that you want to eat, it's going to be here for you. And if you want to tell me, I'm going to do the shopping every week and you can tell me what you want to put on the list and whatever your favorite foods are, I'm going to get them and have them in the house for you. And I done that. And that's what I've been doing ever since. And then my smaller two, I have reared really as intuitive eaters, like they've never had any rules around food. They don't hear me talking about you know treats there's no I don't use any lingo like that where I try to call food like food so like whatever the name of the food is I would say like if it's a if it's a chocolate bar I say chocolate if it's ice cream say ice cream I don't use the word treats or goodies or you know etc so uh, and the reason why I don't use them words is because you know, you can't separate out the idea that a treat is something special, something to kind of a rarity, something that you get on a, on a special occasion. And when we put these foods on like a pedestal, mm. it's very difficult for our children to be neutral about them foods. There's a bit of excitement. There's a bit of an adrenaline. They kind of feel like they're somehow forbidden or they're a little bit bad. And then all of a sudden, the children are going to eat a lot more of that and feel that they need to get as much in in that one go because they might not be getting it again. Mm. So I, I have like I have presses of different stuff here. Like you know, they've like I you know have presses full of like chocolate or whatever. You know, there's chocolate and crisps, and there's probably ice cream in the freezer. And it doesn't be long going in this house. There's six of us here. There'll be always one of us munching on something, but. Like it's my responsibility as a parent, obviously, to ensure that they have, um, you know, uh, that I provide them with a nutrient dense diet. So like I, I fundamentally believe, of course, it's my job to ensure for breakfast, dinner and tea and for the snacks that I am doing my best to, to, to. And I'm like financially privileged. I can do that where I can afford to buy and make whatever homemade meals I'm making for them. But there's no rules around like if they want to have chocolate at the dinner table, they can have that and they pick out whatever they want. And it's just it's so fascinating to me to watch like my youngest in particular, who's three now, he has no heed, none whatsoever on chocolate or anything that would be typically classed as a treat. None. Like he fascinates me all the time. That's where I've really gotten to see the intuitive eater in real life, you know, from a youngster like you know, my son's birthday was there a few weeks ago, like and and a party with lots of all of the the sweet stuff and the cake, etc. Like, and Aaron didn't want any of it. I think he tried something small and then was like, "Yuck, don't like it." And you know, I don't say that's good. It's not that it's a good thing that he's not eating it. What the good thing is that he's eating what he wants to eat. That's the good thing, it, mm -hmm. regardless of what that is. Even if he chose the chocolate, that's fine too. But the fact that he's not eating it just because it's kind of a party or because he thinks he won't get it again. I know that he knows it's there if he wants it. So it's just interesting to watch him yeah. eat what, whatever it is that he wants.
Wow, that is amazing. That is amazing, like you say, from like from the beginning, like a mm. natural intuitive inner eater. That's really interesting. Gosh. Um, mm. So <clears throat> I just thought of one more question there. It's okay. I'll, I'll promise I'll It's okay. Just, you know, like what what words of encouragement as as somebody who's been doing this for three years, what words of encouragement would you have given yourself looking back to the like really the toughest part of becoming an intuitive eater? What would you now tell yourself sort of in a very encouraging and compassionate way just for anyone listening who might be going through it or thinking about going through it? Yeah, I think that like, you know, I think you can to know that you can't bypass that the initial stages of the of emotions that will arise, the fear likely around waking and, you know, allow the tears, feel the feelings, you will get through it. The feelings will rise and fall. And when you don't resist it or try to run from it, when you feel it, you will push through into this new space where you actually begin to fear it less. And over time, it becomes less and less of something that even occupies your mind. And that's so freeing to know that your life can now be about living and not completely all around what you know you, your body looks like as if that's the most important thing in the world, which we obviously know it's not intellectually, but for sadly for a lot of us, we do spend our lives, you know, I, I find it incredibly heartbreaking to get stories from, you know, a, like women in their 50s, 60s and their parents, like their mothers could be in their 80s and their mother is still dieting, like following Weight Watchers in their 80s. Like that, that actually breaks my heart. So I think for me, just that reminder that like the fear will likely be there. You know, how can you, you know, give yourself that compassion, that kindness to say it's okay that you feel what you feel and to trust that you will you will work through it. And to also know this takes time. It takes patience. It's not going to change overnight, but that the, the, the reward that you get at the end of it is the complete opposite to what you get dieting. When you feel the freedom, it lasts forever. It's not going to go anywhere. You don't go back. You know, you don't go back. It's like, you know what it's like. You know how to continue to navigate it. So you have access to that forever, which is like the opposite to what dieting gives us because that ends at some point and it fails at some point and it makes us feel like shit at some point. Mm -hmm. Whereas intuitive eating, initially the earlier stages are probably more challenging, of course, but when you when you move through that, then your your life begins. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank <laughs> you, Sinead. I hope you enjoy this episode of Uniquely Wired. If you want to know more about intuitive eating, or about Sinead, uh, you can follow her on, on Instagram, Intuitive Eating Ireland. There's also a lot of information online about intuitive eating, and Sinead also mentioned a workbook online, which you can buy quite easily, I think. You can find me on Instagram at uniquely underscore wired underscore ADHD coaching, or you can check out my website, shunprohaska.com. The details are in the description below. The music was by at miserable underscore Martin on Instagram. Thank you for listening. See you next time.